This is part two of session 84. Let's dive deep into sexual energy transfer here. Let's begin. Last episode, we ended in a totally different point of discussion, which was UFO contact and planetary changes. We talked about Jesus and other topics, personal stuff, material of the LNL research group. And we ended up in a nice point because now we're going to switch gears to sexual energy transfer. And it's going to be the whole of the discussion that we have left for this session. However, in this second part, we're going to cover a good amount of what's left, but I'm pretty sure we're going to have to uh, go to part three to finish this up. So we have talked about energy transfers in general. We have talked about sexual energy transfer in the past. It's helpful if you remember and know about this. Uh, if not, I'll try to refresh on a couple of things and give you my different views on um, how this happens and what is the nature of reality at this point. Uh, are we really bodies just transferring energy? Are we uh, something else? Are we light bodies? Are we, what, what are we then when we're transferring energy? So um, as much as possible in the practical aspect of this for those who engage in sexual uh, activity. And of course, want to uh, transfer this energy and, and feel the, the energy that is transferred in, in sexual activity. Okay, so with that, I have no further uh, introduction. Let's go straight into the question that we didn't cover last time. That's question nine. Don says, thank you. Going back to the previous session, it was stated that each sexual activity was a transfer before the veil. I am assuming from that that you mean that there was a transfer of energy for each sexual activity before the veil which indicates to me that a transfer doesn't take place every time taking the case before the veil would you trace the flow of energy that is transferred and tell me if that was the planned activity or a planned transfer by the designing logos ross says the path of energy transfer before the veiling during the sexual intercourse was that of the two entities possessed of green ray capability. The awareness of all as creator is that which opens the green energy center. Thusly, there was no possibility of blockage due to the sure knowledge of each by each that each was the creator. The transfers were weak due to the ease with which such transfers could take place between any two polarized entities during sexual intercourse. Let's set the stage for this, shall we? Oh, it's too hot. Okay, so we're talking about pre-veil conditions. If you remember, there are mind-body spirits who are not complex, meaning they're not veiled, they know themselves as the creator. There is no illusion of separation, although the illusion of, um, of form exists, 
Okay, there is the illusion, the imagination of form. Uh, just like in your imagination, it is very difficult for you to create a character and invest yourself in there. Some people can, and actually that shows a lot of imagination power. But in general, we know that everything is fine in our imagination. I'm not having emotional things or feeling I'm going to die and all these things, right? So before the veil, there was no such idea. There was no such um, entertainment of me as a separate self. Uh, me who is going to die, me who is separate from you. So in terms of sexual energy transfer, each sexual activity ended up in transfer. Why? Because when you are, when you know you are the creator, right? You know what you are, then any activity actually is creator to creator. Okay? And so it was just normal for us to have uh, sexual energy transfer because every time we touch each other, we knew it was the creator. And now, uh, Ross says that they were weak. Why were they weak if you know that you are the creator? It's a good question, right? If you know you're the creator, shouldn't you feel all the ecstasy and the intensity of the creator, touching the creator and so on? Well, it seems like it didn't. And it makes sense to me, which I'll try to explain because this conversation is going to be expanded. Uh, but for now, just know that we're talking about pre-veil conditions. There is no separation between conscious and unconscious. We knew exactly what we were and we knew exactly what the other one was. So there was a very pale experience, Ra said. And that is, that makes sense to me. Okay, so that's what they said, right? Path of energy transfer um, was always between two green ray capability. There was no possibility for blockage because there is no there is no belief of separation. That's what it is. You cannot believe yourself to be separate. Okay, you know too much. That's the thing. You know too much. And so there is no possibility of blockage. That makes sense. For that, you need to have the idea that you are a separate being. And so lower energy center blockages, that's what we have now in post-veil third density. We have the notion that we are separate. And so with that comes uh, a bunch of mental activity that uh, baffles, as Ross says, the sexual energy that is meaning to be transferred because all sexual activity is seeking that. That is the purpose of sexual activity. Okay, so the transfers were weak due to the ease with which such transfers could take place between any two polarized entities. Why? Like I said, because if you know you're the creator, well, I didn't say that yet. I've talked about this in the past, but if you know you are the creator, then there is not so much of an intensity there. There is not, it's not dearly bought that you, you engage in this activity with somebody else. See, because you know it's you, at the end it's you, and it's just, it's all great. Um, so yeah, that sets the stage pretty well. Um, Don is going to ask a question here, which is going to be met by Ra's answer. Oh no, it's not this one. Okay, let's follow. Question 10, 
Don says, what I was getting at more precisely was, is the path of energy transfer, he stopped for a second and says, when we close an electrical circuit, it's easy to follow the path of energy. It goes along the conductor. I am trying to determine whether this transfer is between the heart chakras of each entity. I am trying to trace the physical flow of the energy to try to get an idea of blockages after the veil. I may be off on a wrong track here. If I am wrong, we'll just drop it. Can you tell me something about that? So, liken it to a, an electrical circuit. So, Ross says, in such a drawing or schematic representation of the circuitry of two mind-body-spirits or mind-body-spirit complexes, in sexual or other energy transfer, the circuit opens always at the red or base center and moves as possible through the intervening energy centers. If baffled, it will stop at orange. If not, it shall proceed to yellow. If still unbaffled, it shall proceed to green. It is well to remember, in the case of the mind-body-spirit, that the chakras or energy centers could well be functioning without crystallization. That's a really important point to understand prevail conditions. Um, but let's cover first the, the beginning of the answer. Okay, so we just want to know how the circuitry of this energy transfer works. Um, very simple. And uh, Don is making that, um, yeah, it's making that analogy totally, right? Physical flow of energy, right? So what happens with the energy that is being transferred? First of all, let's get the, the schematic of the energy centers, okay? What you know as yourself is a refraction of the one light without sounding too metaphysical and um, a little far out, that white light is consciousness. No matter what tradition, what esoteric path you take, unless they're talking about something else, that white light is consciousness, is the manifestation of the one as consciousness. Okay, and it's um, undifferentiated, is imperturbable, is just this one infinite light. Okay, now what happens to this light? As it configures itself and as a mind-body-spirit, it doesn't matter if it's complex or not, it draws itself into seven energy centers. You can liken them to uh, filters. You see filters of light, different colors, if you will. Uh, it goes more complex than that because it's not just colors, but we associate them with colors because it's a refraction of white light, right? So it's a great analogy what we use in terms of light. Um, and light is indeed the structure in which we experience the universe. So, okay, so this white light is refracted through the energy centers, but it moves in a certain direction, right? It goes beyond the, the violet energy center and it creates this whole bubble or aura that we call the manifest itself you me even a dog anything um, so all these energy centers they they're they're getting a flow of energy right and that is what's called healing or polarization or whatever everything is associated with this in terms of manifestation everything is associated with energy centers 
Raising the Kundalini. You ever heard that? That's exactly what we're talking about here. So in terms of sexual energy transfer, what's happening is that that energy, which wants to be transferred into sexual activity, starts at the bottom. That's where it starts manifesting itself. That's the first step. That's the first, um, first stage of energy being manifested. Okay, the root chakra. And then it goes up to orange. Okay, and if if there is some sort of blockage in orange, Ra says, it will uh, it will stay there. Right, the circuit opens always at the red or base center and moves as possible through the intervening energy centers, which is the next ones. And you can only find blockage and orange or uh, or yellow. That's why they say if baffle, it'll stop at orange. If not, it'll move to yellow. But if it's um, if it's baffle, they don't say this, but if it's baffle, it'll stay on yellow. If not, it'll move to green. Simple. Energy will move from from one energy center to the other if it finds no blockages. Uh, eventually reaching green, which is the first transfer. And this transfer is of love, as we we shall see later on. I don't know if we're going to do it in this episode, but uh, we will see. Now, in the next part, they say, it is well to remember in the case of mind, body, spirit. Okay, we're talking about not complex, but mind, body, spirits, those who existed prior to the veil, that the chakras or energy centers, they could have been functioning without crystallization. Why is this important, I said? Because it shows the quality of why in prior to the veil, it was such a pale, and like I said, languid experience, simply because we all knew what we were. And it is a pallid, pallid experience for sure. So um, they could be functioning, right? It, it makes sense that they could be functioning. Let's say that post veil, we have deficiencies because we have blockages, right? We have blockages in our lower energy centers and uh, we may not, may not know or reach the point of transferring energy from higher energy centers other than green. So all these things are possible now. In the past, prior to the veil, this was this could have been working all of the energy centers without crystallization. Now, what's the difference of a crystallized energy center and one that is not? One that is not is very basic. It's just not intense, not passionate, not strong. There is no complexity to it. There is no richness to it. And so that wasn't possible before. And I'm not saying it wasn't possible. It seems like it was uh, It was common for people to, to be that way, right? And that's why polarization was an issue. And that's why the veil was implemented because we could polarize faster and easier. So that makes sense to me. Uh, again, it's a good contrast to see what was happening before the veil and what's happening now. Let's go to the next question. Question 11, Don says, in other words, they would be functioning, but it would be equivalent in electrical circuitry to having a high resistance, shall we say. 
Although the circuit would be complete red through green, the total quantity of energy transferred would be less. Is this correct? Ross says, we might most closely associate your query with the concept of voltage. The uncrystallized lower centers cannot deliver the higher voltage. The crystallized centers may become quite remarkable in the high voltage characteristics of the energy transfer as it reaches green ray. And indeed, as green ray is crystallized, this also applies to the higher energy centers until such energy transfers become an honestation for the creator. Uh, by the way, honestation here can be defined as a sort of a adornment or grace, according to uh, the raw context. So, um, all right. So let's talk about the crystallization. That's that's what we were talking about uh, before the veil, right? And before the veil, like I said, see, Ra is saying that it's voltage. So you can have a very low voltage running through the whole system. And that's what it would be, you know, just a very low, uh, low voltage, not much energy um, or intensity, right? Not much intensity or capacity of work would probably be the best way to, uh, to phrase this. So yeah, we have that we have a very low voltage running, it's almost like you have a big pipe and only a little stream running through it, right? No blockages, everything's running fine. With crystallized energy centers, then each crystallized energy center will be able to transfer more energy or move more energy, more power, more, um, more capacity of work to the next one. It'll provide that to the next one. That's what Ra is saying here. Um, and you know this happens obviously to all energy centers from red to orange to yellow and so on um, and this is all this also applies to higher energy centers right because we're talking mainly like the first thing we want to do is unblock the lower energy centers so um, th th this is a, a complicated topic because sex in our society is such a taboo conversation and so many things right but I'll, I'll do my best to give you my, my my own synthesis of what I believe all of this is and couple with some of my experience and again it's just a matter of you uh, you also becoming aware of what you think this might be but in any case that's what we have so far there is a sort of voltage or capacity for work that is strengthened by by the prior energy center as it is crystallized but all right let's go on to the next question Don makes a very long question here and yeah we'll, we'll go through two questions here Don says, would you please correct me on this statement then? I am guessing that what happens is that when a transfer takes place, the energy is that light energy that comes in through the feet of the entity and starts the, he stops and continues saying, 
The voltage or potential difference starts with the red energy center and, in the case of the green ray transfer, terminates at the green energy center and then must leap or flow from the green energy center of one entity to the green of the other. And then something happens to it. Could you clear up my thinking on that? Ross says, yes. Don says, would you please do that? And Ron explains, the energy transfer occurs in one releasing of the potential difference. This does not leap between green and green energy centers, but is the sharing of the energies of each from red ray upwards. In this context, it may be seen to be at its most efficient when both entities have orgasm simultaneously. So, Don wants to know the, the, the mechanism, right? He, he's asking, he first goes into an explanation as to, okay, the, the light, the light energy that comes in through the feet of the entity, the root chakra, uh, and it goes to the next ones, the voltage or potential difference starts at red ray, uh, in the case of green, then it terminates at the green center and leaps like it goes. It finishes there and leaps and goes to the other. Uh, and then something happens to him. Um, Ra clarifies this in the answer and says that um, the energy transfer in releasing potential difference. So we talk about male and female energies right that's the type of energy that is is being played with here now what happens the male energy will provide what Ra calls physical energy the female energy will provide what they call vital energy if my memory serves um, inspiration intuition that kind of female energy the male energy will provide more of a physical grounded energy as it seems to me so that is the potential difference that is being released in two people who transfer from green, uh, from, from green ray. Okay, that's where it starts. Then it goes upwards, but uh, we'll cover this as we go on. That's why Ron says, this does not leap between green and green energy centers, but is the sharing of the energies of each from red ray upwards. So it's a sharing of those energies and definitely the potential difference in between the two. In this context, it may be seen to be at its most efficient when both entities have orgasm simultaneously. This is something that is very beautiful. Something that we, um, well, I'll, I'll talk from my experience. Ever since I started having sex, I recognized that there was a sort of pleasure in uh, both having an orgasm at the same time. Um, in my experience, of course, it was a sort of uh, training of myself to be able to hold myself until uh, my partner would be able to release herself. And that was always something amazing for me. Uh, in fact, if any of of the two finish first to me it was it was over <laughs> maybe I was a little bit too hard on myself um, in terms of you know this happening but yeah I just felt and if the other one uh, if she couldn't um, 
get to the orgasm, then I would feel kind of, uh, nah, I don't want to have mine either. You know, because that's that's the pinnacle for me, at least. This does not mean that you need to have orgasms simultaneously, as Ra will explain. But I do want to um, I do want to mention a couple of things. Um, yeah, orgasm is that peak of experience, obviously, and these are the moments in which we have these glimpses of what. You know, being alive is, you know, it's like, it's like a little peak. Uh, it's not just orgasm. We can have this with many things. Everything really, drugs, alcohol, um, relationships, just social relationships, uh, whatever it is, accomplishments, all these things provide this, these peaks, right? So we become addicted to them because as um, as seekers, we're all seekers. We all want to be uh, in individual love, shall I say, um, self-love is what we want. So we, we, we find this in these experiences. Uh, so yeah, the, um, the orgasm is that. And of course, if it happens at the same time for both, then oh, the experience is always beautiful. And that's something that I have been practicing for a while and I can attest to that. It's, um, it's beautiful. Um, this is another reason why I will emphasize that when you have a partner, somebody, the more you practice this, the more, the easier it becomes and the more you get accustomed to this. It's like you both start um, knowing each other to the point that this is just common ground uh, already. So uh, this happened very easily to me when I, I started with Julie and my whole relationship was focused on that, of course. So prior to that, I, I experienced other things. And yeah, in any case, let's let's see what else Ross says, especially because mutual or uh, simultaneous orgasm is not, it's not quite needed for energy transfer. So let's cover that. Ross says, however, it functions, it functions as transfer if either has the orgasm. And indeed, in the case of the physically expressed love between a mated pair, which does not have the conclusion you call orgasm, there is nonetheless a considerable amount of energy transferred due to the potential difference which has been raised. As long as both entities are aware of this potential and release its strength to each other by desire of the will in a mental or mind complex dedication. You may see this practice as being used to generate energy transfers in some of your practices of what you may call other than Christian religious distortion systems of the law of one. It's actually beautiful that they said that, and I'll, I'll go back to that. But first, let me cover what they said. In essence, if either has the orgasm, then it does happen. A transfer will happen. Um, I remember uh, listening to somebody who was interpreting the law of one and she said that if one of the two doesn't have an orgasm they polarize negatively uh, this was so shocking to me i didn't expect this interpretation but nonetheless i i knew that a lot of people would be affected by this so i talked about this especially in this point i haven't I hadn't obviously covered this part, but this is where I think that mistake was made. Don't ask me how, 
that interpretation came out because there is nothing about negative polarization here in this whole session. Uh, and I haven't seen anything like that. It makes no sense to me. So yes, uh, here we get the complete opposite. If one of them has an orgasm, then that's great. You know, there is energy transfer and that's, that's what we want. In other words, if two entities, uh, green ray, right? They're both in green ray, no blockages. They're able to do, to have their energy transfer and they have sex, but one of them can't reach orgasm, but the other one does, you know, a good amount is happening there. And even in the absence, right? Does not have the conclusion you call orgasm, right? In the case of the physically expressed love, there is nonetheless a considerable amount of energy transferred due to the potential difference, which has been raised. So even if there is no orgasm, that will happen. It'll be okay. Uh, even if both, okay. Even here, no negative uh, polarization. <laughs> uh, as long as both entities are aware of this potential and release its strength to each other by desire of the will in a mental or mind complex dedication, right? So it seems to be something important for you to become aware of what you're doing. Something to keep in mind. Hopefully I'll talk about this and maybe in the conclusions, I'll, I'll dedicate a little bit of time to this. Um, so yeah, we have, there's no need for orgasm. If you have it, that's great. If you don't have it and the other person does it, that's awesome. If none of you have it, there is still some mutual expression of love. Um, I love this. This is perfect and beautiful. And then they say, you may see this practice as being used to generate energy transfers in some of your practices of what you call other than Christian religious distortion systems of the law of one. So basically other than Christian uh, practices in terms of sex, and I am not fully aware of all the um, practices or suggestions that the church or Christianity um, tries to uh, provoke in people. I'm only aware, I mean, probably aware of the most um, undesirable interpretation of sex that they have, which is that you can only have sex in some religions. They tell you that you should only have sex if you want to have a baby, as if, you know, sex is just for the reproduction. So there is no love in there. You see, there is no, no merging of two people or the creator. There's none of that. You're animals, you just get there to make babies, um, which is kind of deploring for women too, um, right? I mean, yeah, the woman's job is just to pump babies. That's terrible. Uh, so yeah, there is a, and, uh, the other thing that I love here, or what I love the most actually, is that they call um, systems of the law of one, anything, anything that are systems, uh, spiritual systems, they are all going to the law of one. Another reason to call this the perennial philosophy, the knowledge of self as the creator is the highest knowledge. And that is the law of one. There is only one being and that is you. If you can get to that, everything resolves. There is no issue. There is only enjoyment. There is bliss. 
So these are things that I cover in my direct path um, teachings. So links in the description if you're not aware, uh, because that's what the law of one did to me as well as non-duality. It brought me to my own investigation of knowing myself and being able to teach this to others is just a pleasure and I'll keep doing it until this physical chemical complex dissolves. But let's dissolve this question and let's go to the next one. Question 14, Don says, would you give me an example of that last statement? That would be the other than religious, uh, Christian religious traditions. Ron says, we preface this example with the reminder that each system is quite distorted and its teachings always have lost. However, one such system is that called the Tantric Yoga. So I don't have much to add here because I am not fully aware of all the practices in Tantric Yoga, but I can tell you a couple of things which are, of course, uh, important for the overall theme of sexual energy transfer. Which, as it seems, I will I will expand more in the conclusion. Uh, in tantric yoga, we are concerned with exploring the feelings of of the world. Of yes, we are. It's a physical thing. It's a it's experiencing. You know your feelings, your touch, your sensations. All of this in the light of pure consciousness, not as a body, as an animal, right? That's the lower energy centers, you're stuck there. In tantric um, practices, you are aware of yourself as that which knows your experience, the creator. You know yourself as the knowing aspect of experience. It's very different to explore sexuality from this point as it is from the animal. Uh, I have obviously, obviously explored so much the animal part um, that that's what my sexuality was for all my life. And this gradually started changing as I became more aware of what my reality is. Like, who is the one feeling this? Is it is it the body, this animal being that I think I am? Or is it something else? What is it inside me that is experiencing this? And how does it feel? Is there a difference? Yes, there is. And that's what I'll talk about later. But yes, um, that is what we are concerned with in tantric uh, yoga or just tantric practices in general. But of course, we associate them with yoga because that's where it came from. So yeah, that's something that... I don't think we have much knowledge like Ra says here, each system is quite distorted um, and its teaching always half lost. It's very difficult to transmit this, very difficult because whenever you do it, you expose it to the possibility of um, distortions, interpretations. Let me give you an example of this that I have talked about in the past. Um, in Chinese philosophy, this may be a mixture of Taoism and Confucianism, I'm not quite sure, it could be just Taoism, but it was said that the law should not be written because when it was written, 
it was in, um, subject to interpretation. That makes sense. If you're going to interpret it, then your interpretation is going to be different than mine. And who is right? We don't know. So it shouldn't be written. However, we have nothing else but transmission of knowledge through scriptures and writing. Or the best one is direct transmission, which is what Zen is concerned with. So we don't have that. That's not part of our system. If you have looked around since you were born, you have been reading, right? Not, when you, not since you were born, but you get the idea. Uh, the, this whole world is, um, is it's all about scriptures and books and history and uh, registration keeping and all of this. And it's so vague. It's not really the, the true essence of what happened. Uh, if you're familiar with YouTube, you may know somebody called CGP Grey. Uh, I, last night, I watched one of his videos with my son and I thought it was fantastic because it, it relates to this. He, he's a nerd in terms of uh, getting a topic and really, really going at it. He does all these researches and reads books and books and books. And he was talking about how uh, ridiculous it was to try to talk about something where uh, all the knowledge, things, and he's talking about military stuff and history and things that we think are recorded, but they're terribly recorded. There are accounts from people and they don't match, they're controversial, they contradict each other. It's a whole mess. And so this system of being reliant uh, on, on, on written, written stuff, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not good. So yeah, it's difficult. But tantric yoga, again, that's something that can be transmitted uh, directly, if possible. But in the end, we just need to explore it. Let me not keep talking about this and move on to the next question. Question 15, Don says, considering individual A and individual B, if individual A experiences the orgasm, is the energy then transferred to individual B in a greater amount? Is that correct? Ross says, your query is incomplete. Please restate. What I'm trying to determine, says Don in question 16, is the direction of energy transfer as a function of orgasm. Which entity gets the transferred energy? I know it's a dumb question, but I want to be sure I have it cleared up. Ross says, if both entities are well polarized and vibrating in green ray love, any orgasm shall offer equal energy to both. So, um, once again, this is, I, I think Ra covered this, but Don didn't get it, I suppose. But... Don is basically asking, and I think what he wanted to know is the direction of how this energy moves, right? So if one has the orgasm and the other one doesn't, what happens to the energy? And Ra is restating basically that if one has the orgasm, energy is already transferred anyways. This is assuming that both, as Ra says, both entities are well polarized and vibrating in green ray love. You see, so it doesn't matter who has the orgasm, they will transfer energy. Um, so there's that. Simple. There's not much to see here. 
Let's go to the next question. Don says, question 17. I see. Before the veil, can you describe any other physical difference that we haven't talked about yet with respect to the sexual energy transfer or relationships or anything prior to veiling? So, really good question here. Before the veil, can you describe any other physical difference uh, with respect to sexual energy transfers or relationships? Let's see. Ross says, perhaps the most critical difference of the veiling before and after was that before the mind, body and spirit were veiled, entities were aware that each energy transfer and indeed very nearly all that proceeds from any intercourse, social or sexual, between two entities has its character and substance in time-space rather than space-time. We will continue talking about this, but let me pause here. This is a crucial, very important, so please pay attention to this if you are swimming the mystical waters of the self, the creation as one. Please, please pay attention to this. The most critical difference of the veiling before and after is that all intercourse, social or sexual, um, between two entities has its character and substance in time space rather than space time. We think when we, this is post veiling, of course, um, before the mind, body, spirit were veiled, entities were aware. Uh, okay, so let me, it's a little confusing the way it's, it's rephrased. So let me just explain it and we can reread it so it makes sense. So what is going on? What we have is there is a belief, right? We, we humans have a belief that we are just this, okay? I am this body and mind and I'm going to die so I need to do things and so on. The mystical path shows you that there is no you to die. What you are is the knowing aspect of reality. You are pure consciousness. If you believe yourself to be anything than that, then all sorts of trouble may arise. And of course, the drama of life unfolds. Fair enough. But you, my friends, I assume are in the path of knowing yourself and exploring this reality from unity consciousness, shall we say. So I'm going to throw at you what real, what's really happening. You see, there is no uh, space-time per se. Time-space is a little bit more real than space-time. Actually, none of them truly exist, but in terms of manifestation, time-space is more real or it is, um, it is closer to reality. Space-time is just a conceivable perception of separation, of space, yeah? Three dimensions of space. That's what space-time is. Now, what happens when we are stuck in space-time? Well, the vast majority of humanity, eight billion people at this point, possibly, um, the vast majority of them are thinking that this is it. This is my body. This is me. 
uh, even if they if they believe in reincarnation even they still believe in some sort of something uh, going back and forth and that is me i still associate myself with something that is moving that is changing you're still stuck with some sort of ego now the truth is that ultimately you're neither of these things you're not the body you're not a soul you're not a mind you're none of this these are all elements for creation to be manifested yes so you becoming aware of this is liberation is liberation to know that this which is being experienced is being experienced by the same self that is everywhere the same creator there are new two creators you're not a creator and i am a creator we are both the same creator that makes sense so um we we do believe that we are made out of space time and time space is just something that is there you know even in metaphysics or spirituality it, it is something oh you know time space is different than space time and no they're not they're one and the same thing and it's consciousness it's just pure consciousness uh, forget the divisions we get stuck you see when we get too intellectual we get stuck we get stuck with the concepts and the divisions and the categories and I am this and you are that and we are going to this and blah 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 release all of that if you want to be liberated if not you're still attached to something and that won't serve you well in your mystical path or at least that's just my my suggestion why because I was stuck in there I remember being stuck in metaphysical comp uh, concepts and all sort of spiritual uh, beliefs and that kind of thing trying to make my way through the mystical path which is um, it's not a difficult one it's just that it's so simple that we obviate it because we're so stuck with the mind we have to figure this out all right so let's reread it and see what ross said they said perhaps the most critical difference of the veiling before and after was that before the mind body spirits were veiled entities were aware that each energy transfer has its character in substance in time space rather than space time so they knew they knew that this transfer was in in time space not in space time right uh, and not just a sexual one but social they say so what else do they say they finish up saying the energies transferred during the sexual activity are not properly speaking of space-time there is a great component of what you may call metaphysical energy transfer indeed the body complex as a whole is greatly misunderstood due to the post veiling assumption that the physical manifestation called the body is subject only to physical stimuli this is emphatically not so okay so what have i said before <sighs> once again th this is also because we we grew up and we're still under the influence of uh, the material universe even within religion there is an idea of material universe you are simply here uh it's just it's such a watered down version of spirituality but that's what we have as religion um not all of them i have to say they all have different distortions but in essence it's always you are this thing this body 
that is um, simply living and having an experience here, but um, you will be judged and so on. So it doesn't matter. Even even in religion, there is there is still some of this. But in general, because of our materialistic view of the universe, we believe that we are just this body, right? So what do they say? The energies transferred during the sexual activity are not of space-time, properly speaking, they say. They're not of space-time. It's not happening here. It's not the physical. It's obviously in time-space. There is a great component of metaphysical energy being transferred. Indeed, the body complex as a whole is greatly misunderstood due to the post-veiling assumption that the physical manifestation called the body is subject only to physical stimuli. So we're barely beginning to see the effects of the mind in the body recently because we thought that everything was the body. Or we thought that, I think that was even closer when we thought that there were spirits that were being, that were possessing us. That might have been closer than what we think now. It's just a, the body. The mind has a great deal of influence, if not all the influence, depending on how much you believe yourself to be a body, on, on what you know the, the, the body is. I think that's very important. The body complex as a whole is greatly misunderstood due to the post-veiling assumption that we're only the body's only sub subject to physical stimuli. And this is emphatically not so. It's very important to keep this in mind because our own convictions, we treat ourselves to be a body. Although we intellectually we satisfy ourselves with the story of spirituality or metaphysics and i'm being a little bit um uh, what's the word that i want to use i mean i'm being a little bit hmm, i don't know i don't know what the word is uh yeah with asperity i may say yes i think i'm i'm talking with a bit of asperity here to say that we massage our intellects, our minds a lot with all of this information and say, wow, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. This is true. But how much do we apply this? How to apply this is the important part. I remember massaging myself with all this information, but still feeling frustrated with life, frustrated with my experience because I said, how come I believe all of this stuff? And I, I find it fascinating and I find it to be true, but I can't experience it. Well, I said the right word. I believe it. I don't know it. So going from belief to knowing, it's the biggest step. So yeah, that's, uh, that's one important point of this process. Let's see if we can cover one more question. How many do we have? We have another 20 slides or so. One more question. Don says, after the veil, in our particular case now, we have in the circuitry of which we were speaking, what you would call a blockage that first occurs in orange ray. Could you describe what occurs with the first blockage and what its effects are on each of the entities, assuming that one blocks and the other does not, or if both are blocked? Ross says, this material has been covered previously. If both entities are blocked, both will have an increased hunger for the same activity, seeking to unblock the baffle flow of energy. 
If one entity is blocked and the other vibrates in love, the entity baffled will hunger still, but have a tendency to attempt to continue the procedure of sating the increasing hunger with the one vibrating green ray due to an impression that this entity might prove helpful in this endeavor. The green ray active individual shall polarize slightly in the direction of service to others, but have only the energy with which it began. Very uh, important um, refresher here, actually, for this conversation on sexual energy transfer. So let's um, let's see what they were saying. All right, so. Don wanted to know, what did he want to know? I have my, my last sips. This is a great mug. It holds, it's been over an hour since I brewed this tea and it's still warm. I love it. Anyhow, after the veil, in our particular case now, the circuitry, uh, we call it blockage, first occurs in orange ray, could you describe what occurs with the first blockage and what its effects are on each of the entities? So yeah, I guess Don didn't remember that they talked about this, but this is the, uh, the effect of increased hunger for sex, something that I myself am very, very much familiar with because I can see my, my blockages my own blockages and the effects of that, which is to continue to seek, seek sex, sex, sex. Um, so that's what's happening, okay? Ra covered this before, and so they say, this was in session 30-something, I think. Uh, so you can go watch that session if you want. All right, what do they say here? 26 and 32, that was the, the big conversation on sexual energy transfer. Um, if you're going to rewatch that, go to session 26, um, question 38. It's the last question, if I remember correctly, which in the books, if you have the five books or the original books, you won't find it, but in session 32, I think, because they moved that to leave session 26. It was the last question and they talked about sexual energy transferring. So they, they decided not to put it in session 26. So they just put it in, in session 32 in the books. But if you have the raw contact, then you will find it in session 26. And because I cover the raw contact, you can find it in my session or session 26, second part or third part. I don't know how many parts I did there. Okay, so yeah, go look for that. If you want more information on sexual energy transfer for now, rewatch it, re-listen to it, whatever you want to do uh, or not. And here, Rai is um, restating Right? If both entities are blocked, so we have two people who have blockages and they engage in sex, then uh, there was there, there's going to be an increased hunger for the same activity. Because sex does provide that. You know, it gives you the taste of what green ray really is. And so you're looking for that. You're seeking to unblock the baffle flow of energy. That's very, very cool the way they say it. Now they say if one entity is blocked and the other one vibrates in love, which means green ray uh, energy, 
the entity baffled, the energy, uh, the entity blocked, will hunger still, but have a tendency to attempt to continue the procedure of sating the increased hunger with the one vibrating green ray. So it seems like you get attached to somebody who is um, who is loving. So the the one that is blocked will want to be attached to the one who provides that love. That makes sense because the one blocked doesn't know really what it's looking for, but it sees it on the other person. So it feels like it's going to, right? That's what they say. Uh, they're on, under the impression that this entity, the one vibrating in green ray, might prove helpful in this endeavor of, uh, of sating that, that hunger. The green ray active individual shall polarize slightly. So the other person who is vibrating green ray love will polarize slightly in the direction of service to others, but have only the energy with which it begins. So it won't increase its energy. I don't know if that means that it won't crystallize itself, but it will definitely polarize uh, to some degree. So that's what we have when we have a situation of a somebody being blocked or both being blocked. I want to assume that if both are blocked, then they don't necessarily need to seek each other because they don't find that light of love in the other person. And so, yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's what happens when two people are blocked. Now, I won't dare to say who is blocked and who's not. I think we should all all think of ourselves first i know it's easy to say oh that's what my boyfriend or girlfriend right they were blocked and they had issues i don't know about the others i only know about me where am i blocking my energy centers and that's that's a topic for another day but yeah we have come to the end of this episode because we have a very long question to cover next and Right. Yeah, no, we have a short and then a long question and more. So we're going to finish this in part three. It might be a shorter session or episode. Conclusions. Well, I promise over and over again that I will talk about this view of reality from unity consciousness, which is what everything is being shown here in this session in terms of sexual energy transfer, especially the interaction of bodies. And I'm glad they touch or we touch on that part where they they speak of tantric yoga. Talking about sex, this is to experience yourself as the knowing aspect of reality and see how the body reacts. Now in tantric meditations, you would see that you are exploring the feeling of having a body, of having sensations in general, you see? So that's just tantric meditation. You know, you, you become aware, you, you're paying attention to the body. You're seeing it not as a sort of something that needs to be preserved because it, it's in danger, but from the other side to say that, oh, this body is being manifested from myself, from the singularity that I am. And what does it do? It touches, it senses, it smells, you know, and you explore all these things from that point of view. 
that is not just like eating food or smelling things. I mean, that's just, uh, you're lost in form there. You want to take a step back first, right? So this is why we go, um, if I could describe it, the, the way I would prefer to do it is go the Vedantic way, right? You would go inside first. You need to go inside. You need to find out first what you really are. You're not a body. You're not a mind. You're not an ego. First, find out who you truly are. And then from there is that you will explore the body. Now, what happens here? When you do this, you start to see that the aware principle that you are is what's exploring anything. And so when you explore sexuality from this way, something different happens. You see, it's not the animal taking over and saying, I need to have sex. And I don't know why. I simply want to. It's the self who is exploring this. You see, you are moving away from the ego, from this contracted self, limited and separate, and residing more and more from this. You know, this is my dream. I am enjoying this. Uh, this is happening. I, I don't have control over anything. This is just the, the movement of me, of consciousness. There are so many things that can be explored here, not just sex, but anything. And this is why tantric yoga or tantric um, meditative states are so uh, satisfying because you are completely aware of what you're doing. You know that you are doing it, you know that it's happening. And you know that this, what you're sensing is yourself. Everything that you're sensing is yourself. So try to take that into uh, sexuality, your sexuality. And that's what they were talking about here. That is the, what I consider uh, to be something of, of importance, especially to transcend our sexuality to a, to a different level in which you can enjoy it from, from that perspective. Before I finish, I'll give you one, one tip, one thing, if you can get your couple to do this with you. If you are adept and reaching orgasm at the same time, do this. I don't know if you've done it. If you haven't, you're missing a lot. As you're both having the orgasm, look at each other in the eyes and don't blink. Just fall yourself into the gaze of the other. Oh, thank me later. You can leave me a comment if you want. <laughs> uh, such a great experience. So do it and hopefully it'll happen. I have nothing else to say, but to remind you as usual, please check the description for my links and what I do how you can get involved with me if you're interested in this mystical path, which I am so gratefully able to teach to others and guide in this process. Uh, we'll need another session, like I said, or another episode to finish this. There are not many more questions, but we have long, uh, a long question that requires some time. So with nothing else to say, I thank you as always for watching, listening, wherever you were at. Have a nice day, have a nice night. Be well, and I'll see you in part three.
of session 84.